When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Happy Monday and welcome back. We're feeling the vibe this season, having a little bit of fun as we spend the next three weeks taking a look at some darker topics. We're getting it started this week with awful history. Today, it's Tuskegee. There are innumerable moments from world history where the very worst of human nature has reared its ugly head. Things which were perfectly acceptable even 30 years ago are widely accepted as deplorable now. And the further back we go, the worse it gets. For most of us, our quality of life has improved, at least on some level. But having an eye on history can serve us in a great many ways. Our history doesn't leave us. It's what led us here. And when you've got a thorough enough grasp on what's come before, it's impossible to miss the fact that history, more often than not, repeats itself. Susan M. Reverby is the professor in the history of ideas and professor of women's and gender studies at Wellesley College and historian of American women, medicine, and nursing. In her collaboration with Ted Ed, she takes us back to 1930s when the United States was ravaged by syphilis. She explains the sexually transmitted infection afflicted nearly one in 10 Americans, producing painful sores and rashes that persisted for roughly two years. After these initial symptoms, late-stage syphilis was known to cause organ damage, heart and brain disorders, and even blindness. It was incredibly difficult to slow the disease's spread Expert cautioned against unprotected sex, but the infection could also be passed during childbirth. Worse still, existing treatments like mercury and bismuth were considered unreliable at best and potentially harmful at worst. Today, these heavy metals are classified as toxic, but at the time, doctors were still uncovering their dangerous side effects. She goes on to share that amidst the uncertainty, healthcare professionals had two key questions. Did late-stage syphilis warrant the risk of existing treatments? And did the infected individual's race change how the disease progressed. Many physicians were convinced syphilis affected the neurological systems of white patients and the cardiovascular systems of black patients. There was little evidence for this theory, but the U.S. Public Health Service was determined to investigate further. So, in 1932, they launched a massive experiment in Tuskegee, Alabama. The town had already possessed a small hospital, and the area was home to a large population of potential participants. The PHS collaborated with local doctors and nurses to recruit roughly 400 black men, presumed to have non-contagious, late-stage syphilis, as well as 200 non-syphilitic black men for their control group. But their recruitment plans centered on a lie. While the researchers planned to observe how syphilis would progress with minimal treatment, Participants were told they would receive free drugs and care for their condition. Reverby continues by explaining, at first, researchers gave the men existing treatments, but these were soon replaced with placebos. 
Under the false pretense of providing a special remedy, researchers perform painful and invasive spinal taps to investigate the disease's neurological consequences. When patients died, the PHS would swoop in to study the body by funding funerals in exchange for autopsies. In their published studies, they listed the men as volunteers to obscure the circumstances under which they'd been recruited. Outside Alabama, syphilis treatment was advancing. A decade after the study began, clinical trials confirmed that penicillin effectively cured the disease in its early stages. But in Tuskegee, researchers were determined to keep pursuing what they'd considered vital research. They had yet to confirm their theories about racial difference, and they believed they would never have another opportunity to observe the long-term effects of untreated syphilis. The study's leadership decided to withhold knowledge of new treatments from their subjects. During World War II, researchers convinced the local draft board to exempt men from their study, preventing them from enlisting and potentially accessing penicillin. The study even continued through the 1950s, when penicillin was shown to help manage late-stage syphilis. Reverby explains that by today's bioethical standards, withholding treatment in a research study without a patient's informed consent is morally abhorrent. But for a large part of the 20th century, this practice was not uncommon. In the 1940s, U.S.-led studies in Guatemala infected numerous prisoners, sex workers, soldiers, and mental health patients with sexually transmitted infections to study potential treatments and other studies throughout the 50s and 60s saw doctors secretly infecting patients with viral hepatitis or even cancer cells. Reverby goes on to say that eventually researchers began objecting to these unjust experiments. In the late 1960s, an STI contact tracer named Peter Buxton convinced the PHS to consider ending the study. But after leadership decided against it, Buxton sent his concerns to the press. In July of 1972, an expose of the Tuskegee study made headlines across the country. Following public outcry, a federal investigation and a lawsuit, the study was finally shut down in 1972, 40 years after it began and 30 after a treatment for syphilis had been found. Obviously, no evidence of any racial difference was discovered. When the study ended, only 74 of the original 600 men were alive. 40 of their wives and 19 of their children had contracted syphilis, presumably from their husbands and fathers. In the wake of this tragedy and concerns about similar experiments, Congress passed new regulations for ethical research and informed consent. To this day, the medical care available to marginalized communities pales in comparison to that in more affluent communities. In the same way those in Tuskegee were denied access to penicillin, many cutting-edge advancements in care are only available to the wealthy. And we're still a far cry away from achieving transparency in research. Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for day two of our week on awful history. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today.
Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.